VegCast. Summerfest 2008 VegCast. is the topic of VegCast 47. VegCast. A full menu from first to last. VegCast. Yes, it is our Sounds of Summerfest edition. For 2008 for VegCast. Uh, we went out to Summerfest a little early this year. It was a little earlier than usual, and therefore this podcast will be coming out when Summerfest would usually be going on, but I think that you will be able to adjust as we dip into some of the uh, sights and sounds out there in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and talk to some new people, some returning people, uh, and get an interview with the uh, winner of the Vegetarian Hall of Fame for this year. And if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you because that's going to be all the more exciting. And we'll also have uh, a science fact coming your way. Uh, this one about a previously undisclosed benefit of watermelon. And uh, that we will also hear some music, of course, uh, included in the Sounds of Summerfest. And I should also mention that this VegCast is sponsored by Cove Creamy Non-Dairy Soy-Free Frozen Dessert. It's kosher, organic, and vegan. That's what Cove stands for. Check them out at kovfoods.com. And while you're doing that, you can keep this running and have the wonderful Sounds of Summerfest filling your ears and your consciousness. Consciousness, taking you back to Johnstown, PA, as though you were actually there by listening to this edition of VegCast. Yes, here we are now, walking the bucolic campus of the University of Pittsburgh at Johnstown, uh, this, of course, is accomplished by the piped-in bird noises that you hear, which are actually not from Johnstown, because I tried to get some audio, and they're, the birds, they just were not making enough noise. There were birds, like, way over in a tree, way far away, and I, I got a few sound clips, and I said, you know, I'm just going to take some bird noises and put them in here, because that really gives you the idea better than... Uh, the actual sound. So I have to uh, cop to that. But while we're walking along here, uh, let's stop first and talk with a new participant, since there were a lot of new attendees this year. And we have the mix of the old and the new uh, with Stéphane Grolo from Quebec and our old favorite Chip Ballou. Let's listen. Right now uh, with us on VegCast is Stéphane Grolo of Quebec and Chip Ballou, longtime Summerfest attendee, and uh, the guy, if not the only guy, one of the guys who's responsible for this being a fun and entertaining uh, occasion. Guys, thanks for taking time out from your juggling to talk with us. Glad to be here, Vince. <laughs> okay. And uh, so, Stefan, I just wanted to ask you, this is your first time at Summerfest. Yes, first so, time. I want you to speak for all of the first-timers. Oh, yeah. And say what... What what was your impression of the weekend? Uh, for me, it's sure that uh, it's a really great place. I've never been in a, such event where there is as many vegans and vegetarians as 
here in Summerfest. Right. But for me, this is for social. Uh, the social aspect is really great because we have lots of nice discussion with like-minded people. That's great. Lots of speakers and lots of opportunities to just talk and have fun too, like with Chip and just doing uh, going outside and having fun. So yeah. Uh, and you guys have been juggling. You were doing a routine there in front of the building last night. Uh, one of those daredevil kind of juggling routines. And right now you're. You're like learning even now. You're learning new routines. There's always things to learn in juggling. Yeah, and that's yeah. the really great part of, about circus tricks. Yeah, is that when you meet someone who's a, able to juggle a bit. Yeah, uh, we we rapidly can exchange tricks, and it's just like kind of uh, giving a gift to someone else. Where right. I give him a trick, he gives yeah. me a trick, and he's saying, "Wow, the relation is already there." And that's great. And if we can extrapolate from that to the vegetarian and vegan experience. We're all here kind of uh, trading tricks and trying to learn new things from, from each other. Is that, I mean, is that fair? Is that oh, recent? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. And, and Chip, how is it for you with the, you know, you're like uh, making sure everybody's having a good time. Did you feel that you, you had a successful summer? I think I fulfilled my role. Yeah? Yeah. You know, the whole experience, you know, is just a really, a really cool thing. You know, everybody coming together and having fun and being together, you know, the fellowship. And, right. Okay. Yeah. And before I let you go, Stefan, you are like an expert in veganic gardening, is that right? Yeah. Can you just uh, sum that up in about 10 seconds for the VegCast listeners? Yeah, sure. Okay, veganic is a way to grow food without using any chemicals or animal byproducts or uh-huh. products. And it's the idea is also to respect the environment and create an environment where we also have, there is a place for wildlife and uh-huh. Okay. Form of animals. Well, we should talk more about that at some other time. Maybe we'll do a whole vegcast on veganic gardening. But for now, thank you for talking with me, and I'll let you get back to your juggling. Thank you. And from the newcomer, let's turn to an old favorite. And by old, I mean that she has been on VegCast many times before, but is still as youthful in appearance and aspect as you could wish. And I'm speaking, of course, of NAVS President Jenny Kalura, also known as Jenny Kerwood, for the analysis of why the uh, attendance was up so much this year. Let's hear that. Well, we're right here, right outside the Cambria Room in the Student Union where just moments ago, Jenny Kerwood, also known to some as Jenny Kalura, was uh, awarded the Certificate of Appreciation for 20 years of service as president of NAVS. Is that correct, Jenny? That is correct, and it was the most exciting and embarrassing thing I've done all day. And it was a, it was a complete surprise to you? Actually, it was a total surprise to me. Oh, it was not. Come on. No. Was it really? Yeah, it really yeah, was. It really they was. don't do stuff here without telling me. Okay. And so I'm like, what are they doing up on stage making announcements? And I don't know. So it's very exciting and extremely embarrassing, but I also am really honored. Truly. Well, and nobody deserves it more than you. Well, you deserve it more than oh, me. Oh, really? Yes, you I do. should be president of NAVS yes, for the you should. <laughs> no, for the next 20 the years, because you can't so. go back, but we can go ahead. Well, no, that's all right. All right. I think well, that we'll you'll do a better job here. on that. Well, we'll but see. speaking of Summerfest, what a boffo year. It has been boffo. It's mean, been amazing. Yeah, well, We've got one of our highest attendances ever in the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years. Yeah. And we've had some fantastic speakers. And my favorite political cartoonist is here, and he draws really funny pictures. Oh, yeah? Who's that? Yeah. No, we adore the Vance, and we, we can't have Summerfest without him. Okay. Okay. Well, you heard it here, folks. You we heard need it here him first. for Summerfest. So, but it was it was surprising that that attendance was up, even though we're in the midst of what some might call 
a slight economic downturn. It is a slight economic downturn, which means people are looking for ways to save money. So I'm suspecting that they are here because it is cheaper to buy lettuce than dead animals. So they're really here <laughs> because their gas prices are so high, they're trying yeah. to save money. Okay. That's why. And that right. and the fact that this is like a fantastic place to be. It is a fantastic place to be. And in fact, somebody was asking me just tonight, uh, one of the first timers was saying, what other conferences are there that are like this? And I said, there's nothing like this. There's nothing there's like, like this. Summerfest. No, there really isn't. So, all right. Well, and of course, it's largely due to your work. So No, it's thank largely you for... due to the work of all our well, 50, yeah, 60 right. volunteers sure, and our co-directors. Sure. And I can't leave out all those people. No, who everybody's so done a great job. They have. But, uh, and, and, and so you'll know, and you heard it here first. Yeah. I am the mouth of this organization. Yeah. I am not the brain. I am not the heart. I am the mouth. I am the paid, well, actually the unpaid president. mouth. Right. Yeah. So my job is to say what everybody else tells me to say. That is my well. job. But you're standing here right now and, and just true. extemporizing. Well, that's so. true because I am the mouth, so I can talk about anything at any time. Okay, and okay. you do a great job of Thank it, you. and Thank I'm you. glad that you got right. uh, some, you know, official appreciation. I'm, I'm shocked and honored. It was really nice. Well, then, thank you for uh, taking time out from yeah. this this exciting evening. It has been exciting. Thank you. Okay. And thanks for taking the time to interview me. And thanks for being on VegCast. You got it. Now, you know I love to talk about the bucolic splendor of the University of Pittsburgh at Johnstown campus. And usually it is very much so. But this year, perhaps because the uh, festival was earlier than usual, uh, we had a surprise weather event, which occurred right at the end of the Friday plenary. This is the sound of practically all of Summerfest gathered in the front of the Pasquarilla Arts Center waiting for the rain to stop because it's just pouring out there. We sat through this plenary and uh, it was great and then we got up to go and it was just storming and raining. It's not usually raining at Summerfest. It's, it's like a bizarre concept and everybody, they don't know what to do. Everybody is just gathered around here. So I want to share that sound with you as one of the sounds of Summerfest. Now, no sounds of Summerfest edition of VegCast would be complete without at least a brief appearance from Dr. Michael Greger. And we had occasion to speak with him about a particular aspect of his presentation at uh, one of the plenaries, which you will hear detailed in the following dialogue. All right. Michael Greger. Uh, so in your... Uh, in your talk about the latest scientific studies, you had a, a slide with a bar graph, and all the bars were, were pictures of me. Now, was that was that uh, a, an attempt to appeal to the Summerfest audience and get them on your side by showing my face, or was it because you knew that the controversy that it stirred up would earn you yet another spot on VegCast? 
I would uh, I would win the uh, accolades of all the dance lovers. Yeah. And then for all the the haters in the audience, they would think that I'm making fun or some kind. Of, you know. I, but you weren't really making it's a, fun. No, 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 no. Just Unless you're one of the Vance haters, in which case, of well, course. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. It was it was all out of love. It was, it was, it was, this is a representative, we, if, if the Martians land yeah. and want to know, tell us vegan, right. we, we push like you the forward. It's like Glenn Gould, where they put the, uh, the Bach uh, prelude on the, there you go, the and then the if they have death rays, you're the first in line, you know? Oh, wait a minute, I think, won't they think I'm their leader, your leader or something? I mean, That's right. not supposed to work. Yeah. And you have uh, this new DVD. Could you just give us a very brief description of that? Um, uh, this was uh, just two talks I gave at uh, one of the McDougal retreats, one on avian influenza, one on preventing cancer. Uh, Dr. McDougal was nice enough to make me some uh, DVDs, and so I'm here selling them at cost to yeah. spread the word. All right. But none of these have me in the bar graph. Right. I don't believe so. No, no. If you want a special Vance version, no, you have to, you have to uh, order advanced copies. Oh, I get it because of the, the. All right. Well, Dr. Michael Greger, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule here to join us. It is a pleasure. My favorite vegetarian podcast. All right. Thank you. And of course, it goes without saying that Dr. Michael Greger is Vegcast's favorite. Uh, doctor slash nutritionist slash entertainer. And speaking of entertainment, here is a little spot of music. We are the vegans. We vegans of America. We are And another spot, a bright spot. As always at Summerfest was Sarah Schluter Eisman, uh, who not only helped out on my song Meat Doesn't Go on Trees, which you'll hear on a future VegCast, uh, by singing chorus and uh, pretty much upstaging me in the process, but uh, did several solo turns of her own. We'll include a little clip of this one, a song that you may recognize from the 70s. is Sarah Schluter Eisman with One Tin Soldier. Just enough of that to give you a taste and hopefully not enough to be actionable. But now we are going to turn to the piece de resistance for this Summerfest coverage, which is, of course, the NAVS Hall of Fame winner for 2008, Joe Stepaniak. Okay, Joe Stepaniak, thank you for taking time to talk with us on VegCast. Well, it is my pleasure, and I'm delighted to be here. And we're delighted to talk to you, the new NAVS Hall of Fame winner. And i got to ask you, how does it feel? It feels fantastic, and it feels um, um, I, undeserving, but I'm grateful to accept it. But that's nonsense. You, there's no one more deserving than you. <laughs> no, you, um, 
what do our listeners need to know about you that they may not already know if they've seen a cookbook by Joe Stepaniak? Um, well, I've written more than cookbooks, and all of my cookbooks do have a message in them. But in addition to my recipe books, I also have written the Vegan Sourcebook, which is the history and philosophy of veganism. Um, I've written the book Being Vegan, which are questions and answers about vegan living and uh, lifestyle questions and dilemmas that many vegans face um, and that I've answered in my columns that I've had in a variety of places um, including online on my website and in print and um, so I've answered many lifestyle related questions and I also have a book called Compassionate Living which unfortunately is out of print right now but um, I've also spoken to issues related to compassionate living. Um, and in addition uh, to recipe development and writing, I'm uh, an editor, um, a senior editor with Book Publishing Company, and I also do international dispute resolution. So I'm a mediator and do all of those things as well. So you're, you're uh, just a Renaissance woman, but returning to the, I mean, I don't want to uh, downplay all of the other great things that you've done. But you certainly have changed some people's lives just through the cookbooks themselves. Uh, and I wanted to uh, ask you particularly about the the Uncheese cookbook and the whole concept that you were going to basically fill this this gap in in veganism. In people who had to forego or decided to forego uh, cow's milk cheese, but still wanted to have that. How did that whole process arise in your mind, and then how did you go ahead and develop and find all of these things that, that could achieve the taste and or texture of cheese, because that's not an easy thing to do. Well, um, it all started back in the late 80s uh, when I worked on my first book, Ecological Cooking, which also is now out of print. Um, for a local animal rights organization. We were doing it as a benefit. And in that process, I, I was talking to a lot of people, and when people, when I would mention that I was a vegan, people would say, well, you know, I could consider doing that, but I could never give up cheese. We all right. have heard that so many times. And it just stuck with me. Well, if this is the thing that's holding people back, then maybe, maybe we need to come up with a way to have vegan cheese, which sounds like an oxymoron, but it, it seemed like an important right. thing to explore. And in ecological cooking, I had developed some recipes, a wonderful um, cheesy zucchini soup and um, some other spreads, and I, I started, started getting my wheels turning. But I've also been a big fan of nutritional yeast, which I discovered back in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And I've been using it for a very long time, and I always love the flavor of it, and the, it's so adaptable to, for a lot of recipes. But particularly, it has a cheesy taste and can contribute that flavor, if not the texture, to a lot of dishes. So um, my wheels were turning on that, and I began thinking that maybe I'll do a nutritional yeast book that the, maybe that would be the thing to get people over the, mm -hmm. the cheese issue. And a friend of mine had created a cheesy spread with nutritional yeast and cashew butter, and it was, it was just awesome. It was so good. And I decided that I, I could use that as the foundation for a lot of other dishes. Um, and I thought if I can do that, I could make a lot of other types of 
of cheeses. So I talked to the people, the wonderful folks at Book Publishing Company, and I talked to them about a nutritional yeast book, and then I, I said, you know, what would you think about an uncheese book, a book that would just have all of these dairy-free cheeses? And they thought it was a great idea. So I took my friend's recipe, he gave me his permission to use it, and we had a nutritional analysis done on it, and it had about a billion fat grams per serving. (laughs) So I realized, although it tasted fantastic, I had to come up with something that would be much more healthful, because you can't say... Even though cheese itself, I mean, if you're going to be authentic, it would have... Probably a billion fat <laughs> too. It, it probably would, but then again, vegans who are, are health conscious wouldn't go for the alternatives. So we really wanted to make it accessible to people who were concerned about um, high fat, high sodium. So um, I came up with my Gee Whiz spread which is made with beans instead of all the cashew butter. Right. And it's a wonderful recipe. And from there, I just started going on with other, I started exploring um, cheese books, weirdly enough, because I couldn't remember all the, the dairy cheeses because it had been a while since I had had any, any dairy right. products. And I also enlisted neighbors of mine who uh, ate dairy products and had them do some taste testing for me. And I wanted to make sure I was hitting the mark as as much as I could. And, I mean, there are just so many uncheese-type things that that could be made and Mm -hmm. that I did try to make. I wanted to be sure that I was satisfying everybody's cheese craving regardless of what cheese it was they were missing. Right. Well, and now... uh you know, I mean, back when you did that, you, you couldn't just walk into a grocery store or even a Whole Foods and find uh, vegan cheese to buy off the shelf. And I'm wondering, did do you, have you tried those? Do you do they stack up at all? I mean, those seem to be more trying to really more exactly mimic. You know, you can see this package here, and you can see that package there. And this one's vegan, and that one isn't. Whereas yours were kind of using them in more creative ways, but have, do you have a favorite off-the-shelf vegan cheese, or you just go, ah, that, that stuff is garbage? Well, like a lot of people, I have a very busy schedule, and I like to cut corners, so of course I was curious, would these taste good? Um, I, uh, I I really did try to keep an open mind, but frankly, I don't like the taste of, of really any of the commercial yeah. um, cheese products available. I feel somewhat honored that in some small way, Probably my idea for sure. creating uncheeses inspired these companies to yeah. come up with something that would be shelf stable. But the problem is that most of them do not have any high nutrient value. Well, um, when you make your uncheeses at home, the advantage is that you control what goes into them. So you can make them as rich as you want. Mm-hmm. You can make them as low sodium or high sodium as you want. You can add all the flavorings that you want, and they're fresh. And that the primary difference is that we expect dairy cheese, which is devoid of pretty much anything of value um, and has been preserved to, to then, so it lasts for almost forever too. Right. Um, you occasionally get a little bit of mold on it, scrape it off and, and it continues to <laughs> exist. Right. Whereas if you make fresh uncheeses, they're only going to keep a couple days because right. they're fresh ingredients. And when you have um, a commercial product, they have to find a way to keep it shelf stable. So it involves not only the ingredients themselves, which can't be too um, unstable can't be too, really too high in nutrients or too fresh, 
because they're not going to last. So it has a combination of the recipe itself of those commercial products plus the packaging that they're in that keeps them preserved for a certain length of time, which is convenient, but it also takes away from their nutritive value. And generally, these are extremely high in fat, which are it's fine for a treat if you actually like the, the taste of them. Um, and they're also very expensive. So um, I tend to never buy those. Okay, well, that's fair <laughs> enough. Um, before I let you go, I uh, want to just ask about Summerfest because I, this is uh, for our Sounds of Summerfest show, and I try to get Summerfest attendees' perspective on uh, what it is about Summerfest, this particular festival, this particular conference, that is so special, what makes you come here, or what, I mean, you, I'm hoping you didn't just uh, say, well, I'll come if you vote me into the NABS Hall of Fame. But, uh, but what brings you to Summerfest, and what keeps you coming back? The people, um, the classes, the environment, the energy, the emotion, the education, the food, um, the vendors, the beautiful campus, and the escape from the everyday world that isn't vegan yet. Right. It's almost like an oasis. It yeah. is an <laughs> oasis. And that, and it's an oasis of refreshment because I think for, I know for me and for a lot of the people I know, it's our annual shot in the arm, so to speak, that gets us through till the next Summerfest. And it, it's also the making of friends around the country and around the world that we stay in touch with and that we can't wait to see every year. Um, and it's really like an enormous extended family. All right, great. Well, Joe Stepanak, again, congratulations. As I say, no one could be more deserving, and it's good that they now have your name up in that storied list of Hall of Famers. And again, thanks for being on VegCast. Oh, thank you, Van. Science. Our science fact for this VegCast is as follows. Scientists, watermelon yields Viagra-like effects. That's the headline, and the lead goes, a slice of cool, fresh watermelon is a juicy way to top off a 4th of July cookout, and one that researchers say has effects similar to Viagra. Watermelons contain an ingredient called citrulline that can trigger production of a compound that helps relax the body's blood vessels, similar to what happens when a man takes Viagra, said scientists at Texas A&M University. We're going to keep this pithy and to the point. Uh, They do say that you would need to eat quite a bit of watermelon to mimic exactly the effects of taking Viagra, but... Uh, Rather than go on and on about this, I will just note that once again we have a plant food that has what many would term a positive beneficial effect on the body uh, as opposed to the effect that has long been shown on the body, especially in this particular area, uh, having the effect of uh, animal protein and animal fats, uh, which do not seem to produce Viagra-like symptoms, to say the least. And uh, that's 
what we're going to get today out of that. And you might expect me to have more to say about this and go on a rant about it, but i got to keep it short because we're running out of time on this VegCast. So that's going to do it for this particular Science Fact. Thank you, Science Fact announcer Vance. I wanted to be sure to have room for this uh, little bit that is not strictly a science fact, but uh, just some perspective on uh, recent news stories. Of course, everybody's heard about salmonella in tomatoes or around tomatoes or associated with tomatoes or perhaps not even related to tomatoes at all uh, as the CDC is now saying they're still investigating looking at salsa as we go to press with this podcast trying to uh, figure out exactly where the salmonella came from and I'd just like to point out uh, they were very quick to tar tomatoes as the product that people needed to avoid uh, to deal a great blow to the industry uh, with perhaps what some might call reckless disregard for the economic fortunes of that industry. Uh, They did not seem to necessarily have to have everything nailed down, especially given the fact that tomatoes cannot possibly generate salmonella. Uh, salmonella, as with all of these uh, foodborne diseases that we have to worry about, uh, listeria, E. coli, and so forth, uh, all basically come from feces of animals, and 99% of the time are coming from livestock. Uh, but you don't hear that in the news reports, and I just thought that was uh, interesting especially considering a parallel case that's going on that uh, has not received nearly as much press, which is the recall of 5.3 million pounds of beef uh, in late June into early July uh, over E. coli poisoning that has affected 41 people so far, put 22 of them in the hospital. One person has already had kidney failure uh, from eating this bad beef. And uh, now we hear that in this Business Week article, USDA says Nebraska beef was slow to respond to E. coli. Let me just read the uh, lead of that federal official said Monday, that would be July 7th, that Nebraska beef LTD responded slowly to indications that its products might be tainted with E. coli, though it has now voluntarily recalled more than 5 million pounds of meat. Nebraska beef was notified in the first half of June that two samples of its trim to be used in ground beef had tested positive for E. coli. Uh, The company's products were later linked to an outbreak of E. coli infections affecting 41 people. Um, So in this case, until the need came to do a major massive recall, uh, we didn't hear a peep about Nebraska beef because, of course, the USDA is always concerned with making sure that meat producers don't have their public reputation sullied by uh, being associated with bad tainted meat, unless and until it's absolutely necessary to tell the public long after people have gotten sick from it. And as in this case, the USDA had found E. coli in their beef and yet did not and could not order a recall at that point, could not order the company to do anything because that's the way that system is set up. So I guess the long and the short of that is this summer, be careful out there. Remember that uh, even if you're vegetarian, your food can be cross-contaminated. Your best bet is to only associate with uh, vegetarians and vegans that are avoiding uh, having any animal products being prepared alongside what you're eating. But uh, even then, uh, you have to be careful uh, on down the line. And the, uh, I guess the takeaway from this is the sooner that we eliminate the livestock industry, 
uh, in the Western culture, the sooner that we can have confidence that our plant products will be free of contamination from animal feces. So there is that little bit, uh, I guess that would substitute for my normal science fact rant, and I'm wrapping up the Sounds of Summerfest here. I wanted to point out one of the interesting things at Summerfest uh, that I encountered was uh, James Levesque and Jenny Stein of Tribe of Heart. You may remember their movies The Witness and Peaceable Kingdom have uh, created an organization called Humane Myth. The Humane Myth uh, is the myth that there is a way to kill animals compassionately, uh, to enslave them compassionately. It's basically attacking the entire concept of incremental change if said incremental change is uh, tr- being trading away anything, and uh, more often than not, it is. So uh, if you're interested in that, check out humanemyth.org. And I did do an interview with James Levesque on that very uh, topic, a full uh, side interview, which you can look forward to hearing on an upcoming VegCast. Sounds of Summerfest 2008. Thanks very much to Cove, creamy non-dairy soy free frozen dessert, kosher organic and vegan. That's what Cove stands for. Check them out at kovfoods.com and of course thanks to Stefan Grolo, to Jenny Kerwood, Chip Blue, Michael Greger, uh, to Sarah Schluter Eisman, to all the kids that uh, were singing and of course especially thanks to Joe Stepaniak, the Hall of Fame winner for sitting down for a VegCast interview. Thanks to you for downloading this, and we will be back at you with another podcast later in July. So until that point, please get out there and live like you need it.